0: If you're bringing something on a backpacking trip just in case, there's a good chance you might never use that item. But how do you know which just-in-case items are actually important? Then we'll review a classic backpacking gear standard that's lightweight, cheap, and easy to use. And we'll share a hack that will help you to slim down your trekking poles. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles.
1: We've talked about how when you're deciding what to put in your pack, just in case is not a good enough reason to put something in your pack. You can end up overloading your pack with a bunch of stuff that you're just bringing it just in case you might need it or even just might want it. And you've got all this extra stuff you end up never using. Through hikers, they dump all kinds of gear on their first week on the trail. In fact, Southern California is probably a great place to pick up gear.
0: Perfect. Yeah, you could probably find some nice... Uh...
1: Gear that people don't <laughs> right. actually need for backpacking.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> but there's also an element of being prepared. And there are some things that you bring just in case. <laughs> because the just in case would be such a an important situation that you'd need to have that gear, even though you might not always use it. But when it does need to be used, you've got to have it. So here's the dilemma in backpacking, though. At home, we can have redundancy. We can have two cars. We can have extra sheets for our beds, extra towels. If we don't get around to doing the laundry, that's okay. We've got an extra. Or if a car breaks down, we've got an extra. But when you're backpacking, there's a real cost to having redundancy, to bringing an extra copy of everything that you're going to need on the trail. And yet at the same time backpacking is where you're going to be out in a place where you have to be self-sufficient and don't have access to those redundant resources that you might have in town so in town if you run out of water probably not a big deal stop by the closest store and get some water find a drinking fountain but when you're backpacking if you run out of water that's a big problem but it's that dilemma how do you make sure you have redundancy when you're backpacking But at the same time, you recognize that you don't want to take any extra weight or bulk that you're not going to use.
0: So, of course, we wouldn't bring two sleeping bags, two puffies, two pair of hiking shoes. Although some people may bring a second set of shoes in case one gets wet or in case they want something to walk around, Uh, you know, in camp at nights, a little bit more comfortable and breathable. So maybe we need to define redundancy and apply that definition to backpacking and kind of uh, work through this. So one definition of redundancy is the inclusion of extra components that are not strictly necessary to functioning in case of failure of other components. So that means with redundancy, you're covering all your bases. So you're not bringing two jackets, you're bringing a jacket and then maybe a different source of warmth, like other layers. So you're kind of providing redundancy in that way. And redundancy doesn't just apply to gear, it can also apply to your plans. So it means that you have a backup. So you always have this risk management plan, this backup, just in case your primary plan or your primary piece of equipment fails. It's that redundancy that gives you that, I guess that peace and security and, uh, It gives you a backup plan in case your first plan fails.
1: And in backpacking, I think the important distinction that we can make is that the redundancy or the backup does not have to be as convenient or highly functional as the primary plan or primary item. It just has to make do.
0: Exactly. I guess when we're talking about redundancy, we don't mean two of everything there are ways to be redundant in your gear without adding weight and there's two ways that you can be redundant without adding additional weight one of those ways we talked about a couple weeks ago and that's by backpacking with friends it requires a little bit of forethought and planning but you can share gear among friends and that can reduce everyone's load and you can still add redundancy into the gear that people bring you can have two people bring filters among the six of you and so you'll have a backup in case one fails or freezes or floats down the river Um, another way that you can add redundancy without adding weight this one requires some planning ahead but it's to use your outdoor skills to compensate for something that went wrong or some failed gear in your pack
1: Right. So education is a form of redundancy. The fact that you've studied some skill or thought through some scenario and you've decided in advance that if this piece of gear fails or if this plan fails, then this is what I can do instead. And now you've built in redundancy, but it's all in your head. It doesn't weigh anything, (laughs) but you can pull it out when you need it.
0: Well, I would call our conversation this morning backpacking theory. Theories are so fun, but I'm ready to apply this principle of redundancy to our top five list.
1: Yeah, let's get really practical here, how redundancy actually looks on the trail.
0: So for today's top five list, we'll be talking about the top five backpacking redundancies. So that means making sure that you have backups of the important stuff. You don't need two pair of shoes, two stoves, or two beanies, just the stuff that will help you to survive. The number one backpacking redundancy that you'll need is water purification or filtration. So you'll want to have a primary source of water purification or filtration, but then that backup option can be cheaper, more compact, maybe not as pleasant to use, but it's going to be there for you if you have a problem with your primary gear. Something like tablets or drops are very small, very easy to use. Even iodine tablets, which I've never used, but I've heard stories. What do they taste like?
1: I don't even remember, really. It's been so long, but it's a chemical flavor, kind of like if you had really strongly chlorinated water. Okay, it's just, like
0: maybe the ugh. smell of a hospital?
1: Yeah, the cleaning supplies. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's not pleasant. It's pretty hard to... I mean, you can't ignore it. Okay. So every time you take a drink, it's like, (laughs) is this working (laughs) or is this killing me?
0: And then, of course, a no weight option would be to share a filter with a friend. But I think it's also important to note if you are just going to let everyone else carry gear and you just use it, uh, that's not going to earn very many (laughs) life points on the trail with your friends. So you may want to be the one that carries the stove that everyone shares.
1: Right. You got to do your part. (laughs) On our Timberline Trail hike, among the eight of us, we had how many different forms of water filtration, would you say? Maybe three or four? Yeah. We had at least a couple of pump-style filters, and our friend Steve had his SteriPen. Well, early in the trip, his SteriPen stopped working. I don't know why— I don't know if the batteries died or if it was something else. And so he was out his water filtration or water purification option, and it never worked for the rest of the trip. Well, we had that redundancy, though. Even though the SteriPen wasn't working, there were two or three other water filtration devices among the group. And so it was easy enough to share among everyone and not a problem at all to make sure that Steve had enough water.
0: The number two backpacking redundancy is shelter, tent, or tarp. So you'll have your primary shelter but your backup option could be something as simple as large garbage bags or even a clear plastic painter's tarp and this can be helpful if you have damage to your primary shelter as well you may not end up using a contractor trash bag as a, you know a mini bivvy or a tarp but if you have a big gash in your tent because you forgot to stake it down and the wind blew it away and there's damage to it, you might end up using this backup option as a way to do kind of a makeshift repair on your tent. So having that redundancy is really important, even though you may not end up using it the way you think you might.
1: There's the SOL or survive outdoors longer bivvy that we reviewed in episode number one, one. (laughs) that is a great option. Uh, also, the hammock hack in episode 115, that's uh, one of the hacks in 40 Backpacking Hacks Volume 3 that we just came out with a few weeks ago. The hammock hack is that uh, many hammocks have gathered ends and you can undo the piece that gathers that end and you end up with just a rectangular tarp that used to be a hammock.
0: And that's a little hack that you can use If you just need like a little privacy shelter or just protection from the sun for a little while. So maybe some of the things that are already in your pack can end up being redundancies.
1: Your backup shelter option doesn't have to be as durable as your primary shelter. It may be that you're only going to use it for one night and then you're going to get out of there and get back home and get things fixed. So that's why something like a painter's tarp is fine for a backup shelter. I wouldn't use a painter's tarp as my primary shelter on a trip because it's just not going to last very long. But if I just needed to use it once, like one night because something happened to my tent. Because
0: the zipper broke on the tent and it was raining.
1: Well, that's exactly the scenario I had in mind.
0: Exactly. That's funny. That's the one I had in mind, too.
1: That trip that we took (laughs) with our kids. Yeah. Thanksgiving week in Washington, you know it's going to be raining. A little bit windy as well zipper broke on their tent and we really didn't have that backup option with us
0: we didn't we were dumb we really i mean we were starting out josh had just gotten back into backpacking i was just gung-ho newbie and was like let's do this and was not as prepared so redundancy really is a it's a strong solid principle that i think Every new backpacker needs to be exposed to fairly early on because it will save you a lot of stress on your trip. It just gives you that peace of mind that you have a backup and that it's going to be lightweight and it'll work and it'll kind of fill in the gaps until you can get something more permanent in place.
1: On that trip where the kid's tent door zipper broke, the tent still mostly worked. It was just the front door that was gaping open. You couldn't close it. Well, if we'd had one extra tarp with us, even a tarp that maybe wasn't very durable, we could have draped it over the front of the tent, and it would have been much better for the kids. We ended up going home the next day. They were pretty wet. They didn't get hypothermia. We were okay. But it would have been a lot better with that extra tarp. Plus, it was so rainy that evening. It would have been nice to just have that tarp to stand under to exactly. get out of the rain.
0: Well, the number three backpacking redundancy is food. You'll want to have your primary food source, but a backup option could be something like a quart Ziploc bag that's filled with power bars, peanut butter packets, and some drink mix. Just something to help you get through maybe an extra day where you didn't expect that you'd be out on the trail plans changed, your mind changed, and you're just so glad that you have that really easy backup option. And even if you're just going on a day hike, bring along 24 hours of food, a simple bag of power bars, peanut butter packets, and drink mix that can just get you through 24 hours without being stressed about food.
1: That backup food might be just really boring stuff. It might be that if you spent 24 hours eating that food, you'd get enough calories, which is the point, but you'd be bored out of your mind with the, the lack of variety in that food. And that's okay because this is your backup food. You might have some really cool meals planned for your trip if you're into to really cooking some good stuff on the trail, and that's great. Your backup food doesn't have to be like that. It just has to be calories that keep you going.
0: There was one trip that we took uh, to Three Mile Lake where we did run out of food. We had hungry, hungry people on that trip. And we had a lot of drink mix, actually. And so... You know, the last few hours of the trip, we drank a lot of drink mix, which was really great because drink mix is so lightweight. It's like drinking candy. It just kind of boosts your mood. So I would recommend adding drink mix to your little backup food bag, because even if you're not going to be eating, having something good to drink is kind of it's like a mood booster.
1: I remember the rationing from that <laughs> trip. The The last morning we had breakfast and i'm trying to remember exactly what it was i just remember that it was very meager <laughs> right
0: yeah and no one was at risk for true starvation but it was a it was an experience it was
1: we were like an hour to an hour and a half from the trailhead yeah I, we hiked out got in the van stopped at subway we were good <laughs> but i remember the feeling right of that rationing of the psychological effect of Realizing that we don't have as much as we'd like, or maybe don't have enough.
0: It was stressful. It was. It was like fake stress. I don't know. It wasn't, we weren't truly in danger, but you did feel that, uh, that kind of, uh, I don't know if it was adrenaline or what is that stress hormone that kicks uh, in?
1: Yeah, maybe it's cortisol. cortisol. I, I don't think it was adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, sort of that, that stress of, oh, we don't have enough. It hits you. Even in a scenario like that where we were pretty safe overall, we were pretty close to civilization, it yeah. still had that psychological effect on us. And if we had that extra day of food per person, then we wouldn't have had that same stress.
0: And as I remember, we did have an extra day of food, but we ate it on the drive there. Correct. Which, okay, yeah, it's all coming back to me now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we packed the extra day of food.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: And that didn't work out so well. So now when we go on backpacking trips, all of our backpacking food is packed in our packs where it's not accessible during the drive. And we have to pack extra food for the drive, or stop somewhere on the way. None of this just, you know,
0: snacking on. Oh, here's a granola <laughs> bar. Here's a Tiger <laughs>
1: milk bar. Nope. <laughs> okay, so there's another aspect to food redundancy, and that is, um, a- as I said a moment ago, you can get bored of your food, and that can happen even with your your quote unquote primary food source that you're bringing. And so again, backpacking with friends gives you the ability to introduce food redundancy in terms of variety. You all sit down around the campfire for dinner, and maybe you've all got these freeze-dried meals or or a self-prepared dehydrated meal that you've brought and you've got like a thousand calories of something. And the problem is after you're about five hundred calories into it, you're bored. (laughs) It just it starts tasting so blah. Well, when you've got friends, That's when you start passing the food around and you get to share the different, quote-unquote, dishes that you've brought and get some variety. I think that's a form of redundancy as well.
0: Absolutely, The number four backpacking redundancy is fire. Those little mini Bic lighters seem to be pretty popular on the trail, and that's our primary fire source. But a backup option could be something as simple as a little paper book of matches in a plastic bag or a little small wooden box of matches. Just something really lightweight and easy to use.
1: Uh, You know, this one's bit me before. I only have one lighter in my 10 Essentials, my little Bic lighter. And when I went on the Trinity Alps trip, and somehow that lighter was not in my 10 Essentials where it always is, I was really glad I had other backpackers with me. So our son had that flint and steel style lighter, and that worked fine to get our stove going and to light a fire in the wood stove, in the cabin. So I was really grateful for that. If it hadn't been for that, I would have had no way to start a fire on that trip. So I need to put something in My 10 Essentials. It can be small, like you said, maybe that one of those uh, paper match books inside of a plastic baggie, or maybe I'll put in a small flint and steel striker, but I need something as a backup.
0: And then the number five backpacking redundancy is clothing. And this is a little bit different because you're not going to be packing a redundancy of everything. You'll be packing your clothing in a system. Because clothing is so heavy, it makes sense to bring clothing in layers that can serve in different roles. So the clothing system usually includes base layers, that are made of polyester or wool. You'll have a long or short sleeve top, hiking pants, which may be convertible. You'll have a fleece, a down or a synthetic puffy, and then two to three pair of socks and a beanie or a buff. All of these things can be used all at once, or you can kind of mix and match according to the weather.
1: So if one article of clothing gets wet, for example, you have one or two other articles of clothing for that part of your body that are dry. Uh, Unless, of course, you're wearing all of them at the same time because it's really cold and then you get wet. That's a problem, I guess.
0: That is a problem. Or sweaty.
1: Yeah, right. But that's where layers help. So if you start getting sweaty, you can be removing those layers Uh, instead of having one really thick, warm layer that, you know, it's either on or off uh, now, if you have multiple layers, then you can remove them one at a time and, and avoid sweating. I feel like this is an area that I'm still um, not very good at. I've got some of the layers figured out. So I have the base layers, and then I'll have like my pants or shirts. And I do have those those outer layers and then the rain gear as well. But I feel like I'm still missing something in, in the warmth area. Like, so, so I'll try to compensate for that by uh, maybe bringing two shirts that are the same as each other. They're just a thin synthetic fabric. And yes, I can wear both of them at the same time, and that's warmer than just wearing one, but it's not much warmer. It it doesn't do much. So I just, I packed two shirts. I doubled the weight, but I don't know. And and I added some warmth, but not enough warmth. Uh, So you just need
0: like like a big puffy down jacket?
1: That's probably what I'm missing. Okay,
0: here is something that I figured out on a trip. It's not that I need more warmth around my torso. I get cold on my head and my neck. And so if I can keep my ears warm and my neck warm, then that goes a long way toward Hmm. just feeling all the way warm. So I usually pack a buff, a beanie, and sometimes I'll even have a scarf. Like if we're going on a really cold day hike or something, I'll just have an extra scarf. And that helps so much. I don't know what it is about kind of the head and neck area, because that's not where your core body temperature is.
1: Yeah, but there's all those blood vessels that are so close to the surface, (laughs) getting all that blood to your brain and back. Uh, Right. So
0: maybe, maybe you don't need a thicker coat. Maybe you just need more around your head and neck.
1: Maybe. I I mean, I know that when I wear really warm socks, that has that same effect for me. It's like, oh, my feet are warm. I'm good. So
0: I don't know. It's something we can experiment with for sure. Mm-hmm. Although we are saying sayonara to winter.
1: Oh yeah, bye-bye winter. We're, we're
0: <laughs> it's done. already spring, so yeah, next year I guess.
1: Yeah, no, we'll, we'll be up in <laughs> alpine areas, it'll be cold at night. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's Oregon, it's not going to be really hot till about July. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty of time to experiment.
0: Well, if you're brand new to backpacking, these redundancies, the water, purification, the shelter, food, fire, and clothing, are critical to your survival. If you don't have these in place, then you're really putting yourself at risk on the trail. And having these redundancies is a way to ensure that you're safe on the trail.
1: So I have one last question. A few episodes ago, we talked about the five C's of survival from the survival and bushcrafting community. We accidentally called them bushwhackers. Sorry. We apologize. They're bushcrafters.
0: Big difference.
1: Right. Not like scrapbooking either
0: scrapbooking. Crafters. What? Oh, yeah. Different kind of craft. Yes. They're not into stamps and...
1: They're into bushes.
0: Pretty papers. Yeah, exactly. Which takes
1: us back to bushwhacking. And as we discussed the five Cs and which one was the most important, we kind of settled on
0: shelter. <laughs> shelter. What's yeah, the C? Cover,
1: cover. cover. Right. Yes. We settled on cover, uh, that if we had good shelter, we could survive, even if we were missing some of the other things. And uh, a couple of our listeners uh, posted on Facebook and Twitter and said, you know, among the survival community, really the top C that they focus on is cut, And they said that because if you've got a good knife, you can recreate all of the other seas. And I see their point. I could create a makeshift shelter out of what I find in the woods. It would be really tough for me to create a knife out of what I find in the woods. And Unless I get lucky and find a A chunk
0: of obsidian or something.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's really (laughs) sharp on one edge. It's Uh... still not going to work like a knife does. It might kind of do some stuff for me. And so that's one that we didn't include in the top five list today. But what do you think? I, would I carry two knives in my 10 essentials?
0: Oh, that is a good question because a knife is one of those things that's small. It's something that could easily be left at a campsite. It would be so easy to pack a redundancy, something like a razor blade those are so lightweight. In fact, a lot of ultra light backpackers will just pack a razor blade because all they're doing is opening up a little freeze dried meal and that's all they need a sharp edge for. But if you want to have like a solid piece of gear and have a really substantial knife or something that's um, like an heirloom knife or something that you just enjoy using. Yeah, then I think packing a little razor blade as a redundancy might be a good idea.
1: Yeah, I like the razor blade idea because it's so small and light. It's, it's going to just go in the bottom of your 10 essentials. You don't have to even think about it. But if you lose your knife, then you've got something.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we're putting knife on as the number six on our top five list today.
1: All right, let's move on to the Summit gear review before we start adding any more redundancies.
0: <laughs> I know our pack is just getting more and more bloated and heavier. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut it off at six. For today's Summit Gear review, we'll be reviewing the Sawyer Mini Water Filter. This is a classic piece of backpacking gear. It's something that most backpackers have heard of. It's just a little inexpensive water filter that filters tons of water and is so easy to use. In fact, I kind of like to think of it as the backpacker's version of the Bop it toy. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Twist it. Pull it. Yeah. Uh... I lose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Try again. And with a Sawyer Mini water filter, you know you can filter water with it. But there are so many ways. So, um, Josh, can you give me a beat? It has to be like this. No, not that kind of beat. It has to be the Bopet beat. Like, isn't that it?
1: Uh, something like that.
0: <laughs> okay, do the little bop beat and I'm going to tell you what the different things are that you can do with the Sawyer Mini. <laughs> <laughs> twist it. <laughs> Drink it. Squeeze it. Integrate it. Oh, you lose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so those are the four things that you can do with the Sawyer Mini. You can twist it on... So the Sawyer Mini has the same threading as many water bottles, which means that you can refill a disposable water bottle with dirty creek water and then twist the Sawyer Mini on top of it to drink directly out of that water bottle.
1: So it just screws onto the water bottle like the cap of the bottle would.
0: Exactly. And yeah. now
1: you've got a bottle with a kind of a spout coming out that has the word Sawyer on the side. Exactly. And you just drink out of it.
0: The next thing that you can do is drink it. So the Sawyer Mini comes with a straw that you can attach onto the bottom of the mini. And you can use it just like a straw to drink directly from a water source or directly from your water bottle. However you want to use it, you just treat it like a straw.
1: So it ends up working a lot like a life straw.
0: The next thing you can do is squeeze it. The Sawyer Mini comes with a squeezable pouch that you can fill with your wilderness water. And then you put the filter onto the pouch and you can squeeze the fresh water out. So you can actually squeeze it into a clean water bottle or you can just drink directly from that squeezy pouch with the filter on it.
1: Our Sawyer Mini comes with a 16 ounce Sawyer pouch. Do you know if Sawyer makes other sizes of pouches?
0: I think there's a product called the Sawyer Squeeze. The Sawyer Squeeze has two 32-ounce pouches, and the Squeeze is really similar to the Mini. And then you can also buy squeezable pouches separately, and you can find those pouches in sizes of 16 ounces, 32 ounces, or 64 ounces. And then the other bop it feature on the Sawyer Mini is integrated. And that means that you can integrate the Sawyer Mini into your hydration pack. So just fill up your reservoir with glacial runoff, And then just attach the Sawyer into the tubes. If you have a reservoir, you know what I'm talking about. The tubes.
1: The tubes. Are you talking about the the internet?
0: Stick it in the tubes. (laughs) And then drink away. So I love that the Sawyer Mini can be used so many different ways. It comes with a bag, that squeezy bag. It comes with a plunger so you can clean out the filter. comes with the filter itself. And then it has that little straw that you can also use to drink with. The filter itself is a hollow fiber filter. Uh, there are other kinds of filters out there. It's ceramic, fiberglass, and silica depth, which I've never heard impressive. of before. Sounds like military use only. I I haven't heard of it in any outdoor uh, filters. But anyway, the Mini uses hollow fiber filter. And these are tiny U-shaped hollow fiber tiny, tiny tubes that trap contaminants. And by contaminants, I mean like salmonella, protozoa, cysts like E. coli, Giardia, all those long Latin names. Those can't pass through the filter. For utility the sawyer mini will pump through 100 gallons of water from any freshwater water water source and if you're going to be pumping from something that's a little bit gunky you know that has floaties in it then you'll definitely want to bring along the plunger with you so that you can back flush your filter and get it all clean again the more stuff your filter filters the slower the flow rate will be and the more it'll kind of get clogged up and so Having that plunger is gonna be really important if you wanna keep your filter flowing smoothly. The Sawyer Mini Filter is super lightweight. It only weighs two ounces, which is incredible. If you look back at what backpackers were using 20, 30 years ago, they were taking these big bags of ceramic and plastic and tubes and bulbs, all of this stuff, And the Sawyer Mini is so easy to use and so lightweight and so inexpensive that if you still have one of those old heavy filters, this might be the next upgrade to your backpacking gear. For maintenance, if it gets all clogged up, it can be back flushed and reused. There's no um, replacement filters, which I really like that because if you buy something with replaceable parts, you always have to look at the cost of the replaceable parts and Uh, You know, are those parts going to be available when you need them? I love that this can just be used, used all the way up, and is cheaper than a lot of those replacement parts that you would get for other filters.
1: That makes me think about that filter in our refrigerator, the one that filters the water (laughs) that comes out of the the door and and maybe the water that makes the ice. And it's like 50 bucks or uh, some ridiculous price to replace that water filter. And, of course, I'm fine with water the way it came into the house in the first place. So I bought one of those blanks. Brilliant. You just stick it in, and it takes the place of the filter, (laughs) but it doesn't actually filter. And we're done with that racket.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, that works in a house, but we don't recommend bringing a blank on the trail. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look at my water filter. It's really fast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, another thing you need to know about the Sawyer Mini and this actually applies to all hollow fiber filters, do not let it freeze when wet. It can freeze when it's dry, no big deal, but if it freezes when it's wet, then the water expands and can damage those hollow fibers. And you can find the Sawyer Mini for around 20 to $25.
1: Yeah, and that's a great price for a water filter, especially to get something so lightweight and it's gonna last for 100,000 gallons. For trial, we have a ton of water purification devices And so uh, a few months ago, I tested several of our water purification options, well, different filters, really, to uh, see what kind of filtration rate I could get. I was just using tap water, but, you know, when we're out on a hike, we're usually using mountain stream water or mountain lake water that's also very clean. We just need to purify it to make sure it doesn't have any harmful bugs in it. And many of these options that I tested took about 30 seconds to filter a half liter of water. There were a couple that took... 45 seconds or even a minute. And there was one that took uh, 20 seconds, which is the fastest of all. But the Sawyer Mini was right in there at that 30 second mark for me. Uh, Very comparable to most of the other filters that we have in our backpacking closet.
0: And even though the Sawyer Mini comes with the back flushing syringe or plunger, whatever you want to call it, and the squeezy bag and the straw, you actually don't have to bring those things with you. All you really need is the filter itself. And that's if you're just gonna be screwing it onto a water bottle, which I think is a great way to use it. Those uh what is it called? The smart water bottles? Yeah, those are ubiquitous, they're pretty high quality water bottles for being a buck a bottle or something, and they're slender, they fit in your pack really well. So if you're gonna if you're gonna invest some money in getting a new water filter, I would recommend getting a smart water bottle. And the Sawyer Mini, super lightweight, inexpensive, and like we said, it's a backpacking standard, and it's worth having in your pack.
1: So we'll have all the info about the Sawyer Mini water filtration system in today's show notes at thefirstfortymiles.com slash 176.
0: For today's backpack hack of the week, removing baskets for slimmer trekking poles. So if you take a look at your trekking poles or maybe if you use ski poles, take a look at those. They're gonna have these little things at the bottom about two inches from the tip of the pole called a basket. And that's what keeps your trekking pole from going all the way down into the mud or the snow, kind of levitates the pole a little bit. And if you're looking for a way to reduce the volume or the space that you take up on the trail, one of the things that you can do is remove the baskets from your poles. You know, you're just going to be uh, on the basic dirt trail with the rocks and roots and stuff like that. Maybe there's no need for the baskets and you can remove them, just twist them right off of your poles. It makes your poles a little bit slimmer and it reduces weight ever so By slightly. A tiny bit. <laughs> By a tiny bit. But some people are looking for just that extra edge, just a way to kind of slim things down, lighten things up. This is one of those teeny tiny changes that you could make that's really simple.
1: We have a pair of lakey trekking poles that have very small baskets on them. They only come out about a half inch from the outer diameter of the pole, so they really don't get in the way much at all. But you can put different baskets on. If you're going to be in the mud, you can put on mud baskets that are bigger. And then, of course, the snow. There's the snow baskets like ski poles have, and those are interchangeable on your trekking poles. So, you know, some baskets are gonna be bigger than others. And when you start to get something that's an inch or or larger coming out from your pole, it can really get pretty awkward as you're trying to stow that pole in your pack somewhere.
0: And if you wanna nerd out a little bit about baskets on your poles or the straps and kind of figure out what's the best for each situation? What do I, what should I be using? What are the pros use? we're not the ones to answer that question, but we know a guy. (laughs) If you go to andrewskirka.com, he has a really great article called Why and When? Removal of Trekking Pole Straps and Baskets. Everything that you would ever want to know about trekking pole straps and baskets is in this article, and we will link it in today's show notes. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Burroughs. And this is from The Exhilaration of the Road, Winter Sunshine from 1875.
1: And this isn't exactly like one of those (laughs) inspirational, motivational quotes. It's just one of those really practical quotes where you go, yep.
0: Super relatable.
1: (laughs) He said, how annoying to be told it is only five miles to the next place when it is really eight or ten.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent book, Backpacking Hacks Volume 3, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. lawn in the rain? Sounds
1: like a leaf blower, but that would be
0: kind of... <laughs> a leaf blower too. in the rain. <gasps> How would that work in the rain? It wouldn't. <laughs> no.